This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 52. Hey parents, welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. My regular listeners, thank you again and again and again for continuing to tune in and listen to what's happening here on the podcast. And if you are a new listener, welcome, 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 welcome. I'm so glad that you're here um, and that you're taking the time to check out the show. So yay. I am Casey. I am your host for this little bit of your journey. And uh, today, I'm really uh, looking forward to sharing the show with you. I have Sarah McLaughlin back on. You'll remember Sarah from back, way back, episode 30. She came on and talked about setting limits. It was a fabulous conversation and got I got great feedback around. So if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I like this lady, which you will, just know you can scroll back to episode 30 and listen to her talk um, some more. So today, Sarah and I are going to talk about some of the writing that we've been doing lately um, around current events, uh, around the Black Lives Matter movement, white privilege, and just what it means to uh, raise our kids in a way where they truly get the whole idea of treating people with equal dignity and respect. And Sarah and I are both white moms raising white kids. Um, and funny enough, we both live in pretty insular white communities. She's from Maine. You'll hear her talk about that. I live in rural Washington state. And for me, I, you know, I wrote a, an article last week around my thoughts of being a white middle class mom and, um, and just kind of pulling back the veil around the way that white privilege shows up in our life and the discomfort that I have when I take a really hard, honest look at the experiences and the relationships that my kids have and how a lot of the you know, the kind of subtle ways that white culture is so dominant and really works towards creating that us and them mentality or can create that us and them mentality. So Sarah and I are going to dig into all that and into the discomfort that, 
you know, the white community, and we can only really speak for ourselves, okay? So, you know, what we find is discomfort around not wanting to offend um, and just, I mean, listen, I can't even introduce the show without feeling like, oh, God, am I saying the right thing? So anyway, I'm really excited to share this conversation, and I'm so grateful that Sarah came on to talk with me. And I hope that as you listen, you think about, you know, the places in your life where I know that my my audience is primarily white parents, primarily moms. Hi. Um, and not all of you and but a lot of you. And so what are your thoughts? Like what is what are you thinking about right now? What are you thinking about the world around you? And how are you making an effort in raising your kids in a way that there won't be need to be a Black Lives Matter movement when they are happy, healthy, functioning adults? How are we raising our kids to make a better world? Um, yeah. And if you are a person of color who's listening in on this podcast, what are we missing? Like where, please point it out and let us know, you know, because like I say in the podcast, in the conversation you'll hear, I am blind to my blindness. We are all, we don't know what we don't know. And you know, it's it's important for other people to say, yeah, you know, when you said that, this is how it made me feel, especially when um, it feels offensive, it feels bad. I want people to point that out because my intention is never to hurt anybody else or to marginalize or to, you know, promote the things in our culture right now that are marginalizing people. So when it's happening and I'm unaware of it, I want people to call me out on it. Yeah, deep thoughts, right? Heavy subject, but um, I think that you'll really enjoy the conversation and find, you know, your own answers as you listen, and you know, probably be left with some questions. So let's let's keep talking about this, all right? And and um, and I'm just really grateful again that you're listening, and so uh, let's get on with it. Hey, Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And listeners, you'll remember Sarah from episode 30 when we talked about setting limits. That seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Please remind everybody who's out there about what you do, Sarah. Uh, I, I like to call myself a compassion coach. Uh, also, a child behavior decoder and a warrior for kindness. I, I work with families around uh, education and support. Awesome. And you have, and you are a family. You're a part of a I family. I am. I'm part of a fam, part of a multiple generational family, just like everybody else. Right. Um, yep. I have an eight year old and um, I'm a social worker. I live in beautiful state of Maine. Beautiful. So I'm really glad that you're here. I invited you back on the show to have a conversation about what is alive right now in our world. Um, and all over the place, racism, white privilege, how to parent our kids in a way that fosters love, connection, and acceptance, not to mention dignity and respect for all humans. And, you know, listeners, you may have, if you follow me, you will have seen possibly the article that I wrote in response to what was happening around, what is happening around the country. And just my own discomfort is so not the right word, but my own... <laughs> wiggly on you know discomfort around the fact that you know I'm a white mom raising white kids in a multicultural world yet our immediate world is not so multicultural and 
while I parent in a way that models dignity and respect for my kids, we don't have a lot of experiences and relationships with people outside of our own white uh, middle class situation, basically. And just recognizing that that matters. Sure. Right? That that matters. And you've written a couple articles recently in response to the stuff that happened at Stanford and Orlando and with more of a focus around the – how, you know, how to – how inclusive. to hold – Yeah, be inclusive. Hold <laughs> yeah, space in our homes yeah. to where it's all okay. Um, what are your thoughts about the responsibility of parents raising kids today? <laughs> That's not a big yeah. question or anything. <laughs> time do you have Casey um yeah it's it's so it's it's there's so much to unpack here right like and unpacking is the right word that's the word that Peggy McIntosh used when she talked about the invisible knapsack of privilege um I believe that that document she created is um over 25 years old which is a little embarrassing um yeah I read it when I was in teacher school in 1998 that was part of the required reading I will make sure there's a link to it in the show notes everyone it's a really powerful so important um so yeah I mean that would be the first thing that I would want to talk about is that um there's a lot of there's a lot of privileges that are named explicitly in that document that help, I think, hope, hopefully help uh, white people to, you know, understand that this has been happening. And there is sort of an awakening that happens in there. There is often embarrassment or shame or, you know, uncomfortable feelings that come up for white people when it is, when the veil is peeled back. And if you've been living in a white bubble, Um, And, you know, because everything in our culture is presumed to be white and everything that's not is presumed to be other, um, you know, that can be really uncomfortable and embarrassing when Mm -hmm. you kind of get that that is the world that you've been blithely navigating along with no you know, attention or anything to other people's experience because it's not done intentionally. And I think that that's the first piece is to understand that you aren't, you aren't blind on purpose. Like it's truly the word, the root of the word ignorance, you know, it's like, you're just ignorant to it as a fact. Um, and that it's a, a healthy step to move through that discomfort and see, um, how different other people's experiences are and, um, and stop talking and listen. I think that's one of the biggest pieces is to stop talking and listen. But if you live in a, you know, I live apparently according to, um, uh, you know, acquaintance of mine who writes a blog called Black Girl in Maine here in Maine. Maine is the whitest state in the country, which is a little bit shocking. Um, but according to recent demographics, it, it's very, very white here. There's not a lot of people of color. There's not a lot of diversity in the culture. And it is really easy to end up in a bubble where you're not, or you would like to tell yourself it's easy to end up in a bubble where you're not interacting with people, um, you know, who aren't, who don't look like you. But it, there's also, needs to be a recognition that that is potentially where you're most comfortable and that it might feel uncomfortable to to branch out and have your um, social circle circle look different or be a little wider. I know I'm yeah. probably not answering any of your questions, but <laughs> I'm just talking out well, loud. You there. know, and that's what this that's what this show's about. It's just two ladies that work with families and are having deep thoughts, right? Important yeah. thoughts. And and it's an important conversation. I think that you're right. 
And, um, and because it's uncomfortable, I think there's been a history in the white community of not talking about it. And so, you know, one of the things that I did just this morning with my son, I was taking him to camp and he's been really, he's been interested in listening to the news for the first time ever. And I've been willing to have it on when it gets uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. More often, he's 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been talking about the things that are happening. And, and I guess the um, as I was trying to help make sense of the privilege piece, you know, the fact that he was born a white male, that yeah. in and of itself puts him in a super a certain level of privilege. And so the way that, the, really? you know, the the way that I was trying to explain it to him was, you know, imagine that it's um, that you, you know, it's you and one other boy and the other boy is black. And somebody says, I have a hundred dollars to give you to start your own lemonade stand or start your own business. Um, I'm going to give you $70, you white kid, $70. And I'm going to give, get this kid $30. And, and so go, I said, so you have the opportunity to say, Hmm, wow, this friend of mine has a lot less than I do. I could make it so that we each had $50. Or you can choose to rec- to say, hey, 70 bucks, sweet. I can really get things mm-hmm. going with this and carry on. Like, you know, and is that okay? Is it not okay? You know, and, and, and that was just like, just want my own imperfect way of sure. starting the conversation with my 10-year-old in a way that, would make sense to sense him, to him. Or, yeah, like or begin to make sense. Illustrating, yeah, yeah. that uneven playing field, like for no reason other than the fact that your skin is white, we're going to hand you an advantage. And, yes. and you presented it in a way where it was really obvious that it was an advantage. And I think that that's the tricky piece about white privilege is that for many, many people, it's not perceived. It's just literally invisible and not perceived um, that way even though we know that it's true. And once the veil has been lifted, it's, it's very obvious and very, you know, easy to see at that point, but that because it's in the dominant culture and it just kind of like lulls us to sleep and it's passed on from generation to generation. And there's so much implicit bias. This is a new sort of, um, Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. 
warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Term that I've learned in the last few years, and Harvard has a multitude of implicit bias tests, and it, they've created this ingenious way through a very short computer test of being able to assess the biases that you have that you don't know about, about any swath of the population. So there's one about women, there's one about people of color, there's one about um, you know, um, homosexual people, you know, there's like a whole, a whole plethora of them that you can see what you unconsciously believe that That you don't even know that you unconsciously believe. And the first time I took it about black people, I was horrified. Yeah. That makes my gut hurt. Completely (laughs) horrified. And, you know, whenever I get into an argument, cause I will just get, you know, take people to task if they are like all lives matter or white privilege doesn't exist. I just kind of like, please go take this test and tell me that you don't have bias that you're unaware of. Um, and, and, but you know, some people don't see, some people don't want to see, so I'll just leave it at that. But, um, but for people who do, it's right there in front of you and you can't walk away from it after that because it's incredibly clear that, you know, and I say it's in the water, you know, mm-hmm. like it's in the water of our culture mm-hmm. to be biased against people who don't look like us mm-hmm. um, and that white people are in most of the positions of power in our white culture. Men. And that's yeah. a problem. right? Yeah. And that that in and of itself is a problem that we should be aware of, that we should be talking about, that we should be making strides to change. Well, um, and I think like that whole statement, you know, and it's not because white typically white men are the most qualified to be in those places of power. It's simply because, well, not simply take that word out. So much of it is because the the institutions, the big institutions of our country work against Mm -hmm. anyone else who's, you know, who's falls into these marginalized categories. And I was just listening to, um, I love, there's this podcast called another round. And it's two women. Have you heard of them? I haven't, no. 
So it's two women from New York City, two African-American women from New York City. And it's, you know, their audience is, I think, primarily African-Americans. And Mm -hmm. they are, they're, first of all, they're so smart and they're so funny. And they are so blunt about the cluelessness of white people. So clueless. Right? And, And sometimes, and that can be, I think they're, probably are people that listen to it and get really turned off because of that, because it puts them in that place of like, oh, am I like that? Or, oh, they're just bashing on all white people, but really they're not. And Mm -hmm. they were talking about the different, just today, and well, not today, but a podcast that I was listening to today, they were talking about the difference between money and wealth and how there are a rich being rich and being wealthy and being rich is having a lot of money being wealthy is having something to pass on to future generations and while they're you know and that's really a white thing right Mm -hmm. just you just i know like the 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 safety net and I, i know that if anything were to happen my family would step in and make sure that we were okay sure you know and 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 i fully recognize that that is a gigantic privilege that I get to live with and I can choose to be uncomfortable with it or not. I've spent many a therapy session on being uncomfortable (laughs) with it, but it is just what it is. I also, you know, feel as though using the platform that I have to have these kind of conversations is kind of my, well, (laughs) here's where I can make a difference and here's where Mm -hmm. I can start some conversations about, about the sh- this stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that one of the things that you said a little bit ago um, about being uncomfortable really plays into the work that we do with parents is that, um, you know, I think that it's really important just generally speaking in interactions that you have with your children every day. And this is part of the work that I'm sure we both do around emotional intelligence and boundaries is that it's not inherently bad to feel uncomfortable and that there's not right. something that you need to do about it immediately, whether the discomfort is you have a splinter in your toe or you're hungry or your sister's bothering you or whatever it is. Like, I think that um, it can be a, um, an issue or a problem that, you know, we as parents from the day our children are born, I know I had this problem. I want my baby to be comfortable. I want them to be feel safe and secure and comfortable. And they're not the same thing. And I think that's an important differentiation to make because I feel like the way that a lot of us have been parented and maybe how we even have continued to parent our own children is to equate safety and comfort. And they're very different. And I can be perfectly safe and still feel really, really uncomfortable emotionally, physically, whatever. Um, And I think that the position that we are in at this point in time as white people is that we need to lean into that discomfort. We need to um, be okay with that. I mean, and some of the really great language that is being put out, you know, like the term white fragility, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, yep, that makes total sense. Like, you know, and I know that it pushes people's buttons and people you know, and there's so much defensiveness, you know, people get really defensive, like, well, so, so what if I'm not middle-class? What if I wasn't raised with wealth? What if I was raised poor? And, you know, I went to school with a black kid who was wealthy, like, okay, you know, that's besides the point, right? Like, yes, uh, you're still more privileged. I mean, it's still, there's, you're still higher up the ladder just from the start being born white. The hierarchical, you know, system that we live in, um, 
you know, needs to be acknowledged. And the fact that all of those, um, that racism is built into all of our structures and, you know, yeah, it, 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 we think I have this thing about time and the perception of time that we, you know, we think that, um, you know, the equal rights amendment was passed so long ago. And we think that, you know, um, segregation and racism and Jim Crow and all these things ended so long ago, but Mm -hmm. given the history that we have here, that was actually just like not very long ago. That was really, that was really recent, you know, um, it's, you know, on a similar topic, this is a topic of sexism as opposed to racism, but, you know, my parents went through a divorce in the seventies and my mom had a really hard time getting a credit card for herself Mm. because it was not done. You signed up for a credit card with your husband or you didn't get one. And I'm like, that was just 40 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, things have been changing really rapidly. And I think that that helps me too, as someone who wants to be a change maker and an activist is because I start to feel really impatient. I'm like, Peggy wrote this thing 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Why haven't we moved, you know, an inch and to see like, well, you know, in some ways we've been moving really slowly, but in some ways a lot of change has happened very quickly. And so giving people the space to, to be with that and feel it and, and just listening. Oh my gosh, I could not promote listening any harder. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I feel like, okay, here's a place where I can, you know, because I, well, there's many things, but here a place where I can really feel as though we're moving towards, just trying to help my kids see their own privilege is, you know, being conscious about creating authentic experiences and relationships with all different types of people. And if I'm being fully honest, there's also this part of me that's like, oh gosh, so what is that? Like, what does that, what does that mean? And, and, and if it's authentic and I live in a really, I mean, I live in small town, Washington state, like similar, you know, Maine, It's pretty white. I mean, we have a Hispanic population here and the two cultures do not really cross paths very much other than, you know, in the middle school and the high school. Um, But as far as like families mingling, it just really doesn't happen very much. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm online and I'm like, where are there like multicultural (laughs) festivals and like, you know, I know it feels like you're like fishing for it and yeah. seeking it and then it starts to feel kind of funky because you're doing that and yes, it's totally. not yeah it's not just presenting itself as some sort of ease easy thing but I think it's going to be uncomfortable and I also think that you know there is that nobody wants to be our token black friend either like right. nobody wants to be our token Hispanic friend or whatever you know there's and it's and that's part of part of the thing that we want to talk about and look at is like, why are our cultures still so segregated? You know, unless you're really in a big city, which, you know, I had the delight of living in a big city for a long period of time. And my friend group was so much more diverse. And I really, really miss that. And I, it does feel harder when you live in a place where there's just not the population density to have that kind of innate diversity to your experience, you know, and it, it, um, that's a place where it feels like we have moved very slowly. Yeah. Well, Um, I I was talking to my sister-in-law about this. She teaches in a school south of Seattle and it's a very super diverse school. And her kids, she's got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and they live down south too. South, well, South Seattle. 
Um, and they're in a and they, her kids go to school with a in a really diverse school, and we were talking about it. How you know walking down the street and seeing a woman walk by in a hajib doesn't really you know it's not a big deal to her kids. Like they see that it's sure. you know. Yep. Whereas my kids, <laughs> hopefully they'd be graceful about it, but they would sure. be like, "Whoa, did you see that lady?" Right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's sure. just like, wow, we don't see we don't that. We don't see that. Yeah. Which, right. like, even those words coming out of my mouth make me yeah. want to, like, gag, right? We don't right. see that. And yet, right. I, you know, I'm, and, you know, at the same time, I'm making every effort to always look people in the eye, always, you know, stopping and talking to people, you know, and really, I mean, this is not a race thing but my son got his ears pierced and when we walked in I, we went to a place in like the U district in Seattle it's really eclectic by the way we parked the car my my daughter's like are we in a different country I'm like no we're just in the U district it was <laughs> oh, so funny word. yeah right I'm like oh my god you are so sheltered but we walk in and the woman working the counter you know is just covered in tattoos and piercings in places i didn't even realize you could pierce and really big holes in her ears and yeah. you know, and she was the nicest lady of course she was super nice and i was just chatting it up and in my mind i was thinking i am so glad that my kids are witnessing this conversation and just seeing like this is just another human being who's into stuff that we're not so hardcore into and inside of all of this piercing and tattoos is just another person, right? And so that was an experience that I was able to facilitate for them. And then, so as far as like looking for opportunities, you know, to mingle more, I guess we could go into Seattle more. Hello. Sure. You know, I know that there are all sorts of cultural festivals that happen in the city and, um, looking for opportunities to go and mingle mm -hmm. and be yeah. in conversation with people and give yeah. so that, so that when there is the woman walking down the street in the hajib or whatever, you know, the kids can be like, Oh, look, we've met people like that. We know about, which is still, I just said people like that. Like, ew, God. It's so hard. Our language is so divisive. You know, it's set, it's set up to be divisive. Um, and you know, it's tricky. It's a really tricky thing. I had a thought earlier, but then I lost it. Um, shoot. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Well, and in your, I'll just bring us around to one yeah. of your articles. One of your articles, well, you wrote two, and I'll make sure that the links to them are in the show notes. But one of them, you, or they, you both, they both kind of say the same thing. One just goes a little bit deeper than the other. Specific. Yep. Yeah. But I really appreciate just that concept of, Race, lifestyle choices, gender, having mm -hmm. conversations at like what the whole word, like the normal world. What's normal? Yep. Right. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about what you wrote about that and just, you know, right. Well, yeah. sort of like whenever there's a dominant paradigm in place, um, there's going to be a lot of push that needs to happen against it to get it to give. <laughs> You know, yeah. and this, the idea that white, straight, cis, you know, male, female, binary is what's quote normal is hurting us. Like mm -hmm. that's hurting us to have that perspective and that changing that perspective is work that we each as individual people need to do and that we can help facilitate that. It's so much easier if you learn to have that wider 
lens or a different paradigm from the time you're little. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I used to teach preschool. And one of the things that was sort of an aha for me is that we would always we would always try to create what I learned was called the anti-bias classroom. So we tried to have, you know, represent as much diversity as possible without doing this thing that's kind of like the, you know, oh, if we have a kid who has gay parents, then we'll have the gay books in our room, you know, or if we have a a black kid or this kid or that kid, you know, labeling every, then we'll have this, you know, vast representation. So they feel at home. So they don't feel other, but really what creates an anti-bias classroom is that even in our whitewashed, you know, even in the schools and classrooms where everybody is of that, you know, more dominant paradigm or whatever, you should still have all of those materials. You should still yeah. be, we sh- and we shouldn't be, you know, just kind of shopping along for the, you know, ways to represent who's in the classroom that, you know, we really want to be talking about how like some people are gay, some people are straight just from day one. That's yep. just the way of the world, you know, um, the ratios and the percentages don't matter. And it's, it's something that doesn't occur to you unless, I mean, I just hope we're getting to the point where everybody, like, it used to be like, because people were so, I mean, we're, I'm kind of switching to homophobia now, but, um, you know, people didn't talk about being gay unless they knew someone who was gay. Well, and then you, of course you talked about it. And then obviously everybody knows someone gay now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. is that how it's going to get to be with say people who are trans or people who are non-gender conforming that like right now people are like, what's that? You know, but eventually everybody's just going to know somebody who's trans or who's non-gender conforming and it won't be a big deal. Um, which is a separate, a separate thing from, from racism actually, obviously. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just ways to make that non, non-threatening non to kids. Because what the thing that I think is really helpful for parents to think about is that it's normal for kids to notice differences and that it's our discomfort with talking about it because we don't have practice talking about it mm-hmm. that makes us kind of funny when it comes up. Yeah, I have an article I wrote a while ago that I'll send you about, you know, the first time my four-year-old was like, I don't like black people. And I was like, you know, like hit the brakes. But I'm, I'm also like not wanting him to hear that screech in my head. Right. Right. Like, because I don't want to be like, what are you talking about? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't want right. to respond with all of my like, you know, bottled up junk. That's mine because I've been digging through it and trying to get more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I just like was breathe, breathe. Oh, really? What makes you say that? You know, <laughs> like listen, get more information. Um, you know, it, it, you know, and then just sort of like not in a non-triggered way, dropping the dropping the nuggets around. Like, right. oh, it's actually really not something that humans should do to judge other people by the way that they look, whether it's their skin color mm-hmm. or how able they are, or you know, or other aspects about them. You know you know, that's not, that's not cool. You know, yeah. So I'm going to tell you that that's not cool, but, but we have to be cool when we're talking about it because totally. there's nothing that kids will dial into quicker than if we're agitated or like really hopped up about something and we want them to take it in. Cause they're like, wait a minute, what is going on here? They right. just are dialed right into any of that anxiety that we have or, or that we want to shut it down, you know, like, 
when we have, oh, I have, you know, kids just notice differences. So they talk about them. And then sometimes grownups who have the best of intentions are like, oh, you know, everybody's the same. We don't see color, you know, love everyone. And that's actually really not helpful. Right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that, yeah, about that really not, not being helpful. helpful. It's so not helpful. Um, because of centuries of structural institutionalized racism that lives and breathes in our country, our country was built on the backs of slaves. Yeah. And that is a true reality that we can't get away from. And we may as grownups need to process through our grief about that. I find mm-hmm. that very upsetting, you know, and there's, there's work I have to continue to do, uh, to, to feel my grief about that. Like that is horrifying to me. And yeah, well, and, and my people came from the South, the Wilsons uh-huh. Uh-huh. are from Virginia. Yep. And that, and so I'm with you on that. It is, it's and ter- it's horrifying. It's terrifying and yeah. it's awful. And, and, and we've gotten so far away from it that it feels, it, it feels not real, but you know, any account that you read, any, anything that I've bumped up against in, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, who's, you know, biracial has written so many amazing books, but in one of his books, he talks about his, you know, his slave ancestors and some of the, just some of the absolutely horrifying, like we think all of this terrorism is new. No, this terrorism is old. These horrifying ways of humans treating each other are really old and really awful. And I find that totally heartbreaking, but that's not helpful to put on our little small kids who are just like, what's going on in the world? We want to, you know, they're just soaking it all in and learning from what's going on. It's so much more helpful for us to process through our big feelings that we might have about that and then be able to present them with, with, you know, a little bit more distilled understanding or framework or like, Hey, this is how people have you know, thought about it for a really long time. And that's, that needs to change. Um, We're part of that change. We're having these kinds of conversations is part of that change. Um, And it's, I I talked to a friend of mine who's biracial, whose daughter is also biracial, obviously. And about this incident where my son said, I don't like black people. And he was like, you know, my daughter who's part black has said the exact same thing to me. You know, it's, it's so, internalized too just like women have internalized sexism you know we have all these ways in which we hold ourselves to these crazy standards and if we stop and examine the 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 narrative that's going on in our heads we're like wait a minute where did that come from I don't actually believe that that's insane you know so there's a lot of inner a lot of inner work that needs to happen I got totally off track from that's okay so the whole idea of like colorblind I'm colorblind or we're all the same I would say like a counter something to say instead would be, um, you know, everybody is a human being worthy of of being treated with dignity and respect. And we all have our own stories. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like, and I heard somewhere, somebody talking or read something like the whole colorblind argument really kind of, you know, the problem with it is it totally negates like, you know, all the cultural background of of another person. Of course, absolutely. And just because, you know, you know, I mean, I'm like a total mutt. My great grandparents were all immigrants from like, you know, Eastern Europe and the other part of Europe. And so I don't, I don't have a lot of strong connection to my cultural history. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a thing that's, that can be confusing for people. And uh, yeah, Um, I guess the other thing about being colorblind is that it's just not true. Like we do see color, we do see differences. We do notice those things, Mm -hmm. Um, be it that somebody has a whole bunch of tattoos or that they're you know, hair is, looks different or they're whatever they're dressed they're You know, we notice differences. That's, yeah. that's okay. Um, and that we, and that we should embrace them and be curious about them and um, celebrate them that there's no yeah. reason to be, to try to change that, I guess. Yeah. Well, our, my story is being in Lowe's with my then like three or four year old son saying, Whoa, she's got a big butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, children notice weight differences, which is like you know, definitely yep. not something. Yeah, we all come in different shapes and sizes. Let's you go sure buy do. this tool or whatever. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, and that we're and and like owning our own embarrassment that that's you know kids are really honest and they do yeah. notice differences. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I think that it's better to acknowledge that obviously than to try to pretend it's not true. Like that's just crazy. Yeah. Right? Well, we're going to pretend it's not true. Yeah. Pretend we don't see color and differences. That's nuts. Yeah, that's a lie. And yeah. we're always, and they're always watching and they're always listening. So as the adult in the relationship, you know, really being honest about what we're modeling through, through our conversations, through our interactions, how they see us treat, you know, the checker at the store versus, yeah. you know, 
I don't know who else, like their teachers or people in the community, you know, they're always watching. And, and I think too, that, you know, I think that white parents get so uncomfortable with being worried about saying the wrong thing Mm -hmm. that they, so they don't say anything. Right. And that's a disservice to our kids. And I think that even, you know, even kids that are pretty young can understand, like, I don't know the best way to to talk about this, but what are your questions? What are you noticing about on the playground or what do you notice, you know, and really being curious about letting their kids lead the conversation, I think can be really helpful as well, because they can kind of take us in the direction of where perhaps we need to go. Yeah, absolutely. I just, when you were talking about the playground, it reminded me of a a friend of mine um, did a really useful thing that is similar to what you were talking about with your 10-year-old of saying, hey, well, what if I gave you 70 and him 30? You know, that was a perfect 10-year-old scenario. But offering those kinds of scenarios that help children understand, you know, um, inherent privilege can be done at, from like, you know, toddler up or preschool up. You know, she had done a similar thing with her child about being at the playground and just said, you know, well, what, what, what would you think? Or how would you feel? Or what would your reaction be if I told you that, you know, you like coming to this playground, but, um, you know, somebody, the powers that be came in and said, you know, only children who have white skin or only children who have blue eyes or only children who have, you know, whatever is going to help the child relate, Mm -hmm. um, you know, only they were going to get to use the playground and, And, you know, these other kids weren't going to, or they could only come one day a week and you could come the rest of the days of the week. Like, what would you think about that? And so like helping children develop those like critical thinking skills and um, questioning authority in a healthy way, like being able to speak up for injustice and Mm -hmm. unfairness. um, Those are all things that can be taught in a million different contexts Mm -hmm. that then you can relate them back to as they grow and become more and more aware of the larger landscape of what's going on. Um, Will you just write the manual, please, Sarah? So <laughs> we can all just <laughs> Please. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, and it's not, when I think about, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a black movement. I mean, it's a movement oh. for all of us to be really being, being honest um, not being afraid to speak up and just like like you and I have done in our writing, and I've seen lots of people do, people that aren't bloggers, people that aren't writers, sure. even just really long, heartfelt Facebook posts from people. I have a, a friend of mine from high school who's um, married to a black man and has, I think, two or three children. And, you know, she just – she wrote this really eloquent, lovely post about, you know – about how she feels and and the facts and somebody else wrote something about I had no idea about my privilege until I you know got into a relationship and now have a multiracial family and I'm scared for my kids so you know for the listeners out there I say take this conversation to your play dates and take this conversation to your schools and your parks and just don't be afraid to say you know I'm feeling uncomfortable or hey what do you guys think about this and I listened to this great podcast conversation (laughs) or whatever like talking about yes yes part of it is just like we're smart we're dynamic we're creative species if we put our mind to the problem it, it can't be even if it's uncomfortable, putting our mind to the problem has got to be so much better than just burying our heads in the sand, yeah, right? Like, totally. it's, it, you know, and, and part of it is, 
you know, recognizing, cause once you, like I said, kind of like, once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. And even yeah. if you do miss the opportunity to speak up when somebody is being racist or sexist or homophobic, it will not, it will or not genuine, quietly. Or yeah. general <laughs> asshole. <Anything. laughs> but it won't go quietly. Like you won't be able to stay. My experience right. is I won't be able to stay asleep. So, you know, there might've been the first couple times that somebody made a comment, a racist comment in front of me after you know, not that I ever really put up with that. Like I remember calling people out in high school. I moved from San Francisco to rural, rural Maine when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And so the level of diversity, obviously worlds apart, but the level of ignorance about racism and black people, like there literally was no black people <laughs> where I moved to. Um, so the language that was being used, the things that were being said, the bias that was just being like spewed forth, I was like, whoa, whoa, this is yeah. not okay with me. But, you know, it's interesting to notice like when, who it is, like if, you, are you able to speak up if your neighbor makes a racist comment versus if your boss makes a racist comment right. and like, you know, really feeling into what that means to be brave and to be, put yourself in a vulnerable position that you know, people of color are living with every second of the day, that right. high level of, of vulnerability and feeling unsafe. And so I would challenge people to step up when you have a, a tiny little itty bitty moment that presents itself that might be uncomfortable or feel unsafe is to, you know, um, I've had a lot of success with the formula of like, say it's uncomfortable first and then say what it is. Like, I have to say something right now because of what you just said. And I feel really uncomfortable saying it. That's like, a, that creates a little space for me because right. if you just jump down someone's throat, it feels, it feels like insurmountable. Do you know what I mean? Well, Whereas it feels like a fight. It feels yeah, like, it feels and like then it fight. becomes yeah. less about the topic and more about, well, I can shoot you down or I, I'm feeling threatened right. or whatever. It just takes that. It's less combative. It's yeah. less combative. And I feel like it's owning, you know, it just helps me be brave when I own that it's scary and hard. Like yeah. it's scary hard to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I can't live with myself if I don't. Um, yeah. Well, my, one of my favorite mentors says when fear is present, the teacher is in the room, <laughs> right? Bet. Like, yes. I mean, fear can have, you know, there's the shadow side and the light side of fear. And one of the things that I think is the light side of fear is, is it's a push. It's like, wait a minute. I feel, you know, perhaps this is something that I have to do. Like, hello, fear. Thank you for reminding me that I can't just sit here and yep. say nothing. Right. Be brave, people. Yeah. Be brave. Yeah. Be brave. Be uncomfortable. Be be ineloquent, you know? Like, our culture is, is we need to push back against the culture, yeah. <laughs> you know, in so many different ways. But that is a big, huge one to, um, you know, oh, the other the other thing I wanted to say before we finish, I don't know how much time we have left, but um, is about, you know, all of the isms uh, and the phobias. It's a really, really nice in because we can't shield our kids from media. I mean, presumably you have a 100 books in your house mm -hmm. and your TV is on sometimes and pointing out to kids from a very young age the disparity that you're yeah. going to see. Like, unless you have worked super, super hard to fill your, you know, house with every single book or movie or whatever that has people of color in it, your house is full of white characters and mm -hmm. white stories about white people. And the very least we can do is like talk about that, try to work against it. I, I listed some book, I listed a link to books, um, book lists for, for kids and young people. Um, because that's just, 
like, just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just do and it. then just point it out when, when it's not like when, when all of the characters are white say, huh, this is interesting. You know, the, the world is full of all different kinds of people. And here we are watching another show about white folks. Like yeah. just even just saying that, like that pokes a hole at that, at that, you know, wall and, and makes it less sturdy, which is what we want. Yeah. Yes. So yes. media literacy, that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you sure. so much for coming on and talking about all this messiness with me. You're very welcome. I really appreciate it's our it. Job. It's I know, our job. right? Yep. Well, and I, and I, you know, we were going to be explicit about this at the beginning, so we can just be really transparent now. Like we don't have all the answers and we are two human beings who are just trying to make sense of the world and make it better and do our best with our own family and families that we serve. And, uh, you know, I try to remind myself that I am blind to my blindness as well. You know, I don't, and I think that's something that, well, I'm not going to get off on that tangent. Well, I'm just going to say really (laughs) quick. I think that's something that holds me back too is like worrying about like in my quest to make the world a better place, I'm somehow offending somebody else and that can't stop me. Right. Right? That can't stop me because somebody's going to call me out and I'm going to get to be ever more eloquent. And wow, thank you for pointing that out. I didn't even realize that that was offensive. And now that I do and you've broadened my lens. So anyway, don't be afraid. Be brave. Yeah, be brave because we are going to be afraid. And yeah. Yeah, we could keep going forever, I'm sure. We'll and one wait. last quote, I posted it on my little Facebook page, but um, that I really liked, and I don't know where it came from. It's an Instagram repost. Oh, okay. Things are not getting worse. They are oh, getting okay. uncovered. We yeah. must hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. And I feel like in conversations like this, that's what we're doing. So thanks for being a part of it, Sarah. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. Well, till next time. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for being a part of this incredible journey that we are on together, right? We're on it together. We're a community. We're a tribe. We are banded um, in our quest to make the world a better place to raise kids who are warriors for peace and love and understanding and good choices and good problem-solving skills. And I so um, am so honored to be a part of that for you and your life. So something I didn't ask Sarah was where you can find her work. So Sarah has a website. It's sarahmclaughlin.com. You can follow her on Facebook, Sarah McLaughlin, comma, LSW. That's her business page. You can also follow her on Twitter if that's your thing. She is at Sarah McLaughlin. And let's see, where else can you find her? Ooh, she's on Pinterest. Sarah McLaughlin, S. McLaughlin on Pinterest. And finally, Instagram. You can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah McLaughlin. So whatever your social media preference is, you can follow her work. And I just adore her. We When we finished recording, she said, oh, I wish you lived close by. And we couldn't live farther apart from each other. But you know, it, it's, it's just so important to have people in your life that you can have real meaningful forwarding conversations with where you feel safe to be vulnerable, to say the wrong thing, to 
do your best to understand and to be open to perspective. And so my my hope and my wish for all of you is that you have a community like that, a real live community like that um, in your life where you can carry on this conversation, carry on this discussion. And if you find yourself not in a community where that can happen, please, 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 if you're not already a part of Live and Love with Joyful Courage on Facebook, come on over go into the search bar, type Live in Love with Joyful Courage on Facebook, and it'll get you to our group. Click join. I will accept you, and you can carry on the conversations that are meaningful to you around parenting with people that are going to support and celebrate and offer um, offer tips, okay? So I want you to be a part of it. The other thing I want to promote before I say goodbye is... My August program, Joyful Courage 10, is going to start August 24th. You have a little bit of time. But in the meantime, please, please sign up and register. It's a 10-day free course that is designed with the intention of helping you be intentional in your parenting. So just like Sarah and I were just talking about how sometimes our kids say the darndest things and we respond typically well, we can respond with like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that, right? Or, or maybe they come to us with, <clears throat> with information or thoughts or questions that make us feel uncomfortable or put us in a reactionary mode, or maybe they're just plain being difficult and challenging and annoying, and we go into that reactive, crazy person, crazy parent mode. Uh, Joyful Courage 10 is all about broadening the space between re- between the event or the experience and how we respond. So if you are a parent who recognizes that you can be doing a little bit more work in helping yourself stay centered and calm and loving in the heat of the moment, this is absolutely a program for you. You can find more information at www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10 www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10. Uh, You can read up about the program and you can register. And the fun thing about this program that sets it apart from others is I will be taking advantage of text messaging, (laughs) which makes me really excited. So um, check it out. As always, your feedback is appreciated. You can uh, send feedback to me at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. You can find me on Facebook at Joyful Courage, on Instagram at Joyful Courage, on Twitter at Joyful underscore Courage. If you ever can't find me on a social media platform, put a little underscore between Joyful and Courage, and that might be helpful. <laughs> and again, please join our community on Facebook, Live in Love with Joyful Courage. Um, all the links we talked about, all the articles we talked about will be present in the show notes. And I'm just so honored and and grateful and um, really stoked that uh, we come together once a week like this and and that you find value in the show. So yay, please find three people this week to say, hey, I listen to this great podcast. What? You don't know what a podcast is? Let me show you. Give me your phone. I'll sign you up. Help them. Spread the word, spread the love, all right? That's great payback for the value that gets offered on the podcast. Pass it on, my friends. And if you're interested in some actual podcast postcards to leave around your community, send me an email with the subject line, 
postcards and your address and I will package up 10 or so cards and send them on your way and you can put them around in the local parenting hangout places in your real life community. All right, that would be awesome. All right, my friends, big, huge love to all of you. And until next time, no one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 